Hey, it's McKay. Have you ever noticed that for whatever reasons, things just get stuck? Nothing seems to work anymore and your healing journey grinds to a halt. That's why I put together a brand new program to help you get back on the healing path. It's called the Three Day Lime Reboot. Head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com forward slash reboot to see if it's a good fit for you. Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Healing from Lyme disease isn't about doing a million different things. It's about finding the few things that work and then sticking with it. Since 2015, McKay Rippey has been encouraging folks to never give up. Lyme disease causes all kinds of problems and focusing only on killing bugs leads to diminishing returns. That's why generic cookie cutter treatments don't work. You need to fight Lyme like a ninja. If that sounds like a plan, keep listening. And if you want to know more, visit us at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Here's your host, McKay Rippey. Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Hello, good evening. I get a little echo there. Hello. Can you hear me okay. I can hear yeah. you okay. Okay, good. It sounded like things were really weird there for a second. Yeah, I think it's straightened out. I think we're good. Okay, excellent. Welcome. We are live here on Facebook, Lime Ninja Radio Show. And I am super pumped to be talking to Jennifer this evening, Jennifer Gladys. And we're going to talk about the carnivore diet. And it's something I've always kind of wanted maybe to try. So maybe this will inspire <laughs> me to do it for a little while. I do have some questions and some concerns. So it's good. We've got an expert to sort that all out for us. I'm really excited to talk to her and we'll bring her up in a couple minutes. Uh, Aurora, do you have the top 10 list? I do have the top 10 list. Excellent. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. And each week we have listeners tune into our show here or our podcast, which you can get at SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. We have people tune in from all over the world. As you know, Lyme is an international problem. And this week's top 10 tune-in cities are... Starting at number 10, Chicago, Illinois. Number nine, Aliso Viejo, California, Valencia, California. Number seven, Hamden, Connecticut. Number six, Denver, Colorado. Number five, Oak Park, Illinois. Number four, Ashburn, Virginia. Number three, Toronto, Canada. Number two, Paris, France. And still at number one, Santiago, Chile. Hey. Thank you to all our Chilean listeners. The other down under. Yes. <laughs> so I forgot to ask before, but in the comments, tell us where you're from. We'd love to know, see who our friends are this evening. 
And if you know somebody else who would like to know about Lyme disease and the carnivore diet, invite them to come join us. It's going to be a great conversation. So, Roy, I need to say this at the beginning of your countdown so people have time to type in and get the comments up there. Make a note for next time. (laughs) I don't have anything else to say. All right. Well, I can tell everybody a little bit about Jen. Yes, let's do that. In the meantime, type in the comments. Let us know where you're from. So in 2009, Jen's husband, Keith, fell off a horse, which sparked uh, neck pain that lingered and surprisingly traveled to other parts of his body. In 2011, he received a Lyme diagnosis, which sparked a years-long quest for proper treatment and a lasting alleviation of symptoms. And despite finding a Lyme literate doctor who was willing to prescribe long-term antibiotics, it wasn't until Jen found uh, Cannabis for Lyme Disease and Healing Lyme by Dr. Buner that Keith's symptoms finally turned around. Then discovering the keto diet and then the carnivore diet has finally turned Keith to full health. And after finding what worked for her husband, Jen was inspired to help others with chronic Lyme disease. And today she works as an herbalist and a certified health coach. Excellent. Hello, Kathy. Thanks for joining us. Kathy from New Jersey. And anybody else tuning in, let us know where you're from. We'd love to say hello. All right, Aurora, thank you so much for introducing Jen. And we'll say goodbye to you for a second. And we'll bring Jen up. All right. Okay. All right. Bye for now. Hello, Jen. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. (laughs) How do we do in the introduction? Okay. That was lovely. I appreciate that. (laughs) So you mentioned three main themes there for your husband's health and cannabis Stephen Buner's protocols and his insights into uh, Lyme and co-infections, and then the carnivore diet. Yes, I think those are the top three things that we did that helped uh, Keith reach remission. Um, we were got to a point where we were just desperate. Everything we had tried over eight years uh, just didn't work. Uh, he was on antibiotics through the Lyme literate doctor, but he wasn't getting better. uh, And he was still getting worse. Uh, And I just kept researching and researching and researching and found this book by Shelly White about using cannabis for Lyme disease. And then she mentions the Buner protocol. And so then I got Buner's book and uh, designed a protocol based on these books based on what I learned. And, you know, that's a really scary moment when your, your, your loved one is, you know, we didn't think he was going to live. It was that point, like housebound, uh, you know, just unable to be with the family. Um, and out of desperation, you know, not knowing anything, just designing this protocol and giving it to him. And then in a few weeks to maybe like a month, noticing the difference and noticing that we were on the right track. And, um, it was like a miracle. You know, that's so interesting. Um, One of the things we're tempted to do is we get attached to our, what do I want to say, our protocol or attached even to, to a health practitioner, right? We like them. We think they have good ideas. They're caring for us. And we keep 
we want to stick with something, right? And give it a fair chance. And my question always is like, how, how long do you give a protocol before you designate it as thank you for sharing, right? But this isn't working, right? Right. And so how long did you give antibiotics a chance? Uh, He was on antibiotics for a year. Okay. Yeah. And did they have IV as well or all oral? Just oral. No, we talked about doing the IV, but all oral. Uh, and then it just wasn't working, you know, right. and that, after our experience and now, you know, working with other clients, I really think you should know relatively soon if something is working or not. And I just say, keep everyone's different and keep trying until you find the thing that's going to work for you. That's really uh a big part of this and it's hard, it's work and it's, it's frustrating. But, um, you know, after seeing these things work for Keith, you know, after so many years of nothing working, it was pretty amazing to watch. And so tell us a little bit about the cannabis. It's like, was it inhaled? Was it eaten? So before we found Keith was using cannabis, but more as a masking of symptoms sort of idea. We didn't really realize, you know, the the power of cannabis as medicine because, you know, we it's it's been illegal and, you know, people just use it recreationally. Um, he was kind of hiding it from me, like didn't really want to admit that he was using it. And then I read this book and it just talks all about, you know, the medicinal properties and it just made it, it legitimized it in our minds. Like, Oh, this could be medicine. And how do we best take cannabis as medicine? Uh, And then we, uh, we made a cannabis oil. So infused olive oil, and he would just take that uh, as needed since uh, his experiences. And I've done more research and training in cannabis I lean more towards microdosing and finding your own uh, therapeutic dose uh, through a program. There's a website, healer.com. I did their training. They also have a lot of free information. Um, And it's just all about finding your own therapeutic dose. And it's usually a really small amount. So you're getting all the benefits of cannabis without any of the negative side effects. Um, and then I also prefer tinctures over infused olive oil. So um, that's how I would recommend to using it now, but uh, it's definitely medicine. And it's uh, uh, the other thing that's important is finding strains that work for your goals. So, um, you know, some people try cannabis and say, oh, that doesn't work for me. But you really have to kind of trial and error until you find that thing that's going to work for you. How, just to give an idea, how many different strains did you try? Well, a lot. <laughs> so, um, and at the time when we were using cannabis for Keith, we were in New York. It's still, you know, medicinal cannabis is legal, but it's really hard to get. So we were not getting it that way. Um, So it wasn't like now we're in California where you can go to the dispensary and there's all these lovely different, you know, uh, different strains and you can pick and choose. So back in New York, it was more about, you know. I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. Exactly. Unfortunately, because it's medicine and we should have access to it. Okay. So you begin to see, as you start experimenting with this, obviously you begin to see some results, some changes. Mm-hmm. Keith, right? His, is his brain fall clear, pain get better, mood? What changed with the cannabis? 
So through the cannabis and the Buna protocol together, okay. uh, things got better. Uh, he, you know, he was gradually getting worse all the time. And then once we hit upon those two things, he stabilized and then just started getting better. So, you know, pain was better, not gone, but better, uh, brain fog better, but you know, still there, not gone anxiety better, but not gone. So I feel that the cannabis and the, um, Buna protocol helps stop the disease, like help kill the bacteria, uh, stop the progression of the disease, but didn't necessarily restore his health. So then why, and this is the kind of drum roll section. So <laughs> why then do you think eating only meat? And I'm assuming, is it totally meat? No plant at all? Just 100% No plants. Meat? Okay. No plants. How about like animal fat? Is that part of it? Or is it really just protein mostly? So, so just to like give context, we did the Buner protocol and the cannabis for a year. He oh, stopped. Yeah. He stopped the, well, he also had surgery in the midst of all this. So I think that was part of, you know, it's a little, it gets a little complicated, but yeah. um, once that was all done, he stopped the Buner herbs, kept the cannabis, but mm -hmm. um, then his, then he was stable enough for us to leave New York and we started traveling. But again, his health wasn't better. He was better enough. Uh, and we just kept searching and for the answer. And I you know, was fatigued and, you know, had gained a lot of weight from emotional eating. And, you know, I didn't consider myself unhealthy, but I definitely wasn't where I wanted to be. Uh, and I felt like I'm 46 and I was feeling very fatigued and um, just old. <laughs> and I thought that was my new normal based on 10 years of stress and trying to run a business and raise kids and caretake for my husband. So I was also searching for a way back to health and we found the keto diet and sounded super crazy. All the news will say it will kill you. Don't do keto, but we were desperate. Again, once you've been through Lyme, you're willing, there's a certain point where you're willing to try anything to get better. So I said, right. Let's how much worse, how much worse can it get? Right. right. Exactly. What do you have to lose at that point? So we did keto for a month. And I followed this woman and I cannot remember, I should plug her, but I can't remember her Instagram name, but she, her husband had brain cancer and used keto for brain cancer. And she kept mentioning carnivore, carnivore. And I was like, oh, okay, carnivore. What is that? Because of course I'm want to know everything. So I started researching carnivore and uh, found um, in the carnivore world, Charlene Anderson is one of the, you know, um, most known she her and her husband been on it for 20 years but she says she cured her lyme disease 20 years ago through the carnivore diet so after and then at the same time as all this research is going on keto diet is working wonderfully for us we're both feeling better keith's pain is better losing weight like in weeks week it was amazing so at the end of that month i said okay this sounds totally insane but let's try carnivore. And Keith was a little resistant, doesn't love red, didn't, now he does, didn't love red meat, didn't love eating steak. Uh, but I said, let's just try it. Look at these people, look at this, these success stories. Uh, and so we tried the carnivore diet. And again, 
both of our health transformations. His was incredible. His color came back, which maybe those of us that have been in the Lyme world understand how important that is. He was so gray for years and just his color coming back was amazing. And again, like a miracle where his pain resolved, anxiety resolved, um, you know, just we both lost weight. We're both at our high school weights now. Uh, feel great. My fatigue went away. His fatigue went away. Um, and I feel like that's what really brought his health back. <laughs> how, te how technical can we get? What do you think happened? So I, I think here's why it makes sense to us. Okay. The herbs, we saw the herbs work. And yep. part of the reason why the herbs work is because all plants have defense mechanisms. So their natural defense mechanisms is what helps kill the bacteria, kill the Lyme. So when you, all plants have defense mechanisms, mm -hmm. not just, you know, the herbs, all of them do. They don't want to be eaten. The worst things you could eat are the seeds and the nuts because that's the plant baby. They have the most anti-nutrients. So which are these defense mechanisms? And it's things like oxalates, you know, lectins, gluten is an anti-nutrient. So I think that not everybody, but many people have trouble with these anti-nutrients, especially people who have, uh, you know, Lyme disease, autoimmune issues. So you see this amazing healing happening when you eliminate those anti-nutrients. So if that's the case, have you, do you ever have like, so, you know, people in keto will have a cheat day, right? Well, where they will have pancakes or something like that, or a bowl of oatmeal. Do you have a cheat day where you have a salad? <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't be my cheat day. I do occasionally have chocolate, but I would not waste my cheat day on a salad. <laughs> a salad. <laughs> So yeah, I guess it's the thing about chocolate would count, right? So chocolate covered bacon or something go halfway. Yeah, maybe. that would be fantastic, right? <laughs> so you're you're hundred percent at this point. At this point, no. So what okay. I do and what I recommend for my clients uh, are take a couple months keto, a month or two, depending on where you're starting. If you're on standard American diet, definitely take some time to transition, yeah, then go sure. carnivore. And even within carnivore, there's levels. So your first level of carnivore is, um, you could eat anything from the animal kingdom, you know, uh, eggs, cheese, meat, all kinds of meat, fish, uh, you do that for a month. Then your next month, you get rid of the dairy and the eggs, um, so and make, then make be problematic. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, and then you do that for 30 days. And then your last 30 days of transition is you just do beef and water and salt. You get rid of everything else, coffee, tea. I know it's really hard for people, but once you get through that month, then you can see where you are. Most people feel fantastic and don't really want to add things back, but sometimes people will want to add things back. Right. And, um, you know, add in, then you can test your food. It's like the ultimate elimination diet. Yep. So yep. test an egg, see how you feel, test some cheese, how you feel. I stayed, we both stayed uh, pretty strict. I would say probably six months. And then 
now, you know, I'd say we're 95%. You know, like I said, occasionally I'll have a piece of chocolate. Uh, occasionally I'll have an avocado. Um, you know, I did have a bite of pancakes the other day with my kids. So, um, you know, it's depending. Some people who are, you know, very sensitive do find staying strict is the best policy for them. Uh, but um, I do feel that most people can kind of do a little. I find mostly with my patients where they've done some sort of any type of elimination that as their gut heals, that usually, and this is the problem, actually, they, they can withstand some abuse. Now, right. there's, there's still some inflammation happening, but it's mostly happening subclinically. They may, they may not even notice it. So they eat the, the offending food, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, oxalates with spinach, whether it's histamine with leftovers, whether it's, you know, lectin, whatever it might be, gluten, dairy. And so, and they eat it and they're like, oh, that didn't bother me. Let's yeah. see what I can have the next day. So they'll right. double down, right? So before it was like a piece of cheese, and the next day it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, I don't know, cheese souffle, and then the day right. after that it's a bowl of ice cream, and then after that they're back to where they were at the beginning or worse because they've just blown themselves completely up. Um, uh, so it just I, this whole auto, this whole auto immunity sensitivity immune system thingy that happens and seems that Lyme triggers in so very, very many people is, is at, is at the core. And so this type of elimination diet uh, sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Now we have one question and I have one question too. So one of the things I'm concerned about when somebody comes in and says, you know, I'm a vegan, it's like, okay, you know, and how long have you been a vegan? Well, you know, I've been a vegan now for, and they'll say whatever, how many years or months. And I said, and do you, have you added anything back into your diet? And if they say no, then I'm concerned. It's like, well, you know, it's like your B vitamins. Are you getting all your B vitamins? Right. Are you getting all your fat soluble nutrients? And usually the answer is no. So the concern that comes from people is what about all those healthy vitamins and minerals and everything else that's coming or not coming in through the plant world? Like, how do you get yeah. your vitamin C? So everything you need is in meat. All your nutrients, everything you need. The vitamin C question comes up a lot because everybody says, oh my God, you're going to get scurvy mm -hmm. because you don't have enough vitamin C. Vitamin C comes into play if you're eating carbohydrates, your vitamin C needs are higher than if you are just eating meat. So the recommendations that we have are based on a standard diet. So once you're carnivore, things are different. Your, your needs are different, but everything that you need, you can find in meat. Generally, people on the carnivore diet don't supplement and don't need to supplement. They're high for salt, you said. Yeah, salt. Definitely salt. Although there are, and I've I've um uh, experimented with this myself, there are carnivores, long-term carnivores that do not use added salt. So, um, are they uh, using grass-fed meats, however, no. higher quality meats? Really? No. <laughs> so okay. that's another topic yes. <laughs> that I find I don't eat the all beef in America is grass-fed to a certain point, And then the, it's just the finishing stages that we're talking about. So the finishing stages are, you could either go for a few months in the grain, you know, have grain, or you can 
stay on pasture. I have found that it's everybody should just eat the meat they like and they can afford, bottom line. But and so people prefer the grass finish. I prefer grain finish because it's higher in fat. And I also like the taste better. Uh, I do order my beef from a ranch in Colorado, but I also get beef from the supermarket. And I don't have a problem with that. I have found uh, I was uh, I have clients that have had trouble because they were just doing grass fed grass finish because they were not getting enough fat. So you just have to watch your fat to protein ratio. So uh, we have uh, lean over this way. <laughs> we have uh, a small herd of American milking debits in our backyard. And our neighbor, if I lean the other way, has a, a organic dairy herd. He's got Holsteins. So one of the things I will have to say, so yeah, in, in general, uh, cows are grown on pasture and brought in. However, there are quite a few dairy animals that find their way into the, the beef system. And those are grain fed. And they're getting a ton of antibiotics and things like that. So it's not just, I just want to put that out. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discount anything there, but there's another stream of meat that's coming through where these animals are fed quite a bit of grain. And as we know, grain causes all the inflammatory things and they could get passed on to some In people. people. But I see, I don't agree with that. It gets mm. passed on. And if you do some research on like hormones and beef and how much of the hormones, you know, I have a great article, which I can share with you at some point Please send uh, it. of this woman who um, sacred cow, I think is her. Uh, she's all about grass fed, grass finished. Mm -hmm. And she would love to make the argument that grass fed, grass finished is healthier than grass fed grain finished, well, uh, but could not make the argument based on science. Well, so, here, well and here's the other thing, the, 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 the pasture matters and the type yeah, of animal matters, right? So if you've got a nutrient deficient pasture and we know we've, we've been dealing with this with ourselves. If you've yes. got a nutrient deficient pasture, or if you get an animal that's not efficient, it's like we, now our, our breed, the cows that we slaughter are on the leaner side, but they're not lean like a Holstein's lean. They have plenty mm -hmm. of fat. They have plenty of yeah. marbling. Matter of fact, so when the butcher looks at them and says, wow, did you grain finish these things? It's like, no, they're just fat and happy grass yes. cows. Yes. So yes. the, the, the quali quality, let's just put it this way. Quality matters no matter how you're doing it. Quality absolutely I matters. I completely agree with that. But I would say <laughs> the worst meat is better than the best vegetable. That's what I would say. I've seen people who don't have a lot of money, can't afford, you know, the best meats, go into Walmart, buy the big tube yeah. of ground beef and yeah. the big package of bacon and heal years and years and years of issues through that meat. So I just like to get that message yeah. out there that, you know, eating meat is important eat the meat you can afford and that you like that's it you know that's that's a, that's a good point and yeah. uh, you know we, we i grew up in washington dc my front yard was as big as my desk is right here and i used my job on saturdays was to cut the lawn with hand clippers that's how little grass there was <laughs> so now i'm living on 30 acres so and it's a total different thing and you know if you're living in a city you can't you don't have that luxury necessarily especially right. if you don't have uh, unlimited fun. So I agree with, right. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. And as an elimination mm -hmm. diet, I like the idea. Um, I, I do think there, there are 
biochemical individuality things and there's food preparation issues. So, you know, kind of going my, my touchstone, just to let you my prejudice, my touchstone is always kind of the Western price people. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're just, you know, it's just like, well, it has a lot to do with preparation, but there are, there's so much, what do I want to say? And actually, I'm t- so I'm making an argument to support your argument. Th- there's so much different in the world than there was even, you know, when we were younger. You're a little bit older than I am, not a whole lot, you know. Um, and our guts are under so much assault from all the different chemicals. And the plants, you know, are just getting hammered with glyphosate and all the other things. And the soils aren't soil anymore. It's just kind of a growing medium that they throw chemicals on. I mean, it's just awful. So, you know, so our our guts, our guts are suffering and our gut floor are suffering. So I can, I can imagine, and there are, we see them in our practices all the time. People who just become so sensitive that the funniest little thing, and and they're blind to it because they're just under constant assault. I had this is this is slightly different. I had a woman who ended up having an egg allergy, and she ate eggs every day, and it was a flat out allergy. They did the allergy test and everything. It wasn't just a sensitivity or whatever. She had a flat out egg allergy. She ate eggs every day and was having at finally in her thirties. She was starting to have constant GI problems, and nobody could figure out what it was, including me. It's like I had no idea. And she, you know, she didn't have any other reaction to the eggs, no skin stuff, no breathing problems, no itching, nothing. And it was her, her favorite food. And then finally she took the eggs out of her diet and it was like, she was magically healed. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so that, you know, that's just a, a story about one particular irritation on, on her right. part. And it was, it was specific eggs are a big offender, you know, and that's the whole, the whole paleo movement, right. Yeah. It's, it's all about removing those, the big plant triggers. Uh, yes. and, and and dairy triggers too. For some people, dairy is, is a major problem. The other thing I I think that's important to point out, and kind of your story hints at that, is we can put up with a fair amount of inflammation day to day until our health falls off the rails. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And then, you know, and then and then you can say, and and I love to tell people to think outside the tick. Right. Which is what you yeah. did. It's like at some point it's like, okay, we've done years of antibiotics. We've done a year of Buner. We've done all this other stuff. Things still aren't getting better. May- maybe we've killed enough bugs. Yes. <laughs> I was, yes. I was right? just having this conversation with a client today because everybody's looking for the next treatment and the carnivore diet, it sounds, I mean, it sounds extreme, but it also sounds too simple to work. And I feel like now, when clients come to me and they've been treating for years, I want them to start with the nutrition piece. And then after you've been, you know, even if it's paleo, you know, autoimmune protocol, okay, fine. Or yes, we've made it to carnivore. Fantastic. Then, then let's see what's left. What maybe you're better at that point, or maybe you think, okay, I need some herbs or something for some other symptoms that are showing, but I'm starting to really feel passionate about starting with the nutrition after you've been, you know, if you've been treating for a number of years, if you have a new infection, that's different. But if you've been treating for a number of years, start with the nutrition and then see where you are. 
I've been hogging up all your times. We do have some questions. So mm -hmm. if you do have questions also, I'd encourage you to go ahead and type them into the comment box and we'll start pulling them up screen right here. And while we're waiting for a few more to come up, let me just put up your website. So if you have specific questions that we don't get to here or don't want to ask them in public, you can go and check out Jen's, Jen's, excuse me, Jen is a gem, but check out her uh, Lime.Solutions <laughs> website. And yes, that's the entire URL. I thought it is impossible, but she's got this very cool website and it's Lime.Solutions and that's the entire thing. So if you type that in, you'll get it. So once again, um, Julie asked this a while ago and I did it, also ask this in some ways, but I'm going to bring it up again because it is, it's the main concern, right? Right. Absolutely. It's, it's micronutrients. Yes. So is, I, there, is there research you can point people to? There, it's hard because this diet hasn't been studied. Um, you can look to the long-term carnivores. I like to look to the people who've been doing this the longest, like the Anderson who, Andersons who've been eating this way for over 20 years. Um, and then there's a number of other people who've been anywhere from five to 20 years. Um, and none of them supplement and they all eat meat. And I don't know any of the long-term carnivores that uh, prioritize grass fed grass finished over grain finished. Um, and they're all very healthy. And some of them are active in the carnivore community. So you can see their progress and what they've, they've done. Uh, if you look into meats and the different, uh, you know, uh, nutrient breakdowns, you can see that everything you need is there. Um, it is important to stress ruminant meats over, you know, like chicken and you know chicken can be problematic for some it doesn't have enough fat uh most people do fine with pork but some people shouldn't do pork um so but you can get everything you need from beef so and if anybody wants like i can point them i don't have them now but i can point them in different directions of where you can find the breakdowns for the beef nutrients and the other thing is, uh, I encourage people always, like you, your experiment. You know, absolutely. If if this, like you said, it, it was a miracle, and you felt the difference immediately. So you know, you could, the, you're not going to die if you eat meat for a month. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. It's you could do anything for a month. So, um, and I have on my website there is a free guide for people with Lyme disease on how to go through the transition. Um, oop, did you lose me? No, I hear you. Oh, did I lose you? Perhaps. Oops. What happened? I, I still see you. Okay, you, great. You didn't disappear. <laughs> oh, okay. It seemed like I disappeared. Um, anyway, it, there's a transition, you know, I do recommend trying keto or paleo first so you can get your carbs down. There's an adaptation period. You know, we've all heard of the keto flu. There's some period of time where you have to go through that, but um, you can do anything for a couple months and then see if it works for you. Kathy asks, was this good for you or your husband? Oh, it was good. What do you mean? The carnivore diet was good yeah. for both of us. We've both been carnivore now for over a year. And we will, we can't imagine ever eating another way. <laughs> we should, we'll, we'll, we'll talk in another year. Yeah, it sounds good. Awesome. I'd like to <laughs> So then how do you cook? 
So the carnivore diet is amazing. I'm, I do not like to cook and I don't like to go grocery shopping. So uh, now it's super easy. We just go to the store and buy our butcher knows us buy a bunch of untrimmed, you know, steaks. And um, I do have two young kids at home. So I cook other foods for them, but um, I use an air fryer and I cook burgers and I cook bacon and I cook steaks and that's pretty much all I cook for us. Uh, and so, it's super easy. It's so easy. <laughs> no, so you no, no sauces, no ketchup, no, no, mm -mm, nope. <laughs> None of you that. You have to chew enough, but you know, it. and like I said earlier, my husband did not like steak beef. He did not like those things before, but once we went through the adaptation period, now we both look for, forward to eating every day our beef every day um and i find on keto it was really great because it was you know we both felt better we started losing weight but i still had all those cravings for mm -hmm. sugar for carbs but once i went carnivore as long as i get enough fat i don't have those cravings anymore it's changed my both of our relationship with food so, so did, did you have to learn fat's not my favorite food have, did you have to learn how to eat the fat i had an easier time i'm a foodie so i like all food and i've always loved fatty steaks so i had an easier time than my husband did uh but you won't feel as well if you're not eating enough fat that's where so, so much of the nutrition is right yeah so yeah. but you change and you're and you want it and you're craving the fat so, uh, once you go through a few weeks, you'll, you'll want it. I promise. <laughs> so that's, it's interesting. So that's one of the things I'm going to stick up for in my grass fed animals. Cause you okay. it's <laughs> the, the fat in those animals tends to be, you can see the, the beta carotene in it. You can see the yellowness in it as opposed yes. to pale. It's the same for butter too. You get pale, pasty butter. It's like, I, I don't want to eat that stuff. I am more careful about the e I do eggs. Eggs are not a problem for me. I am more careful okay. about where I get my eggs and my butter. Uh, I do dairy uh, and also my pork because I do think there's some evidence to show that that is healthier. I will send you this article <laughs> from this woman about the beef. And yes, there are definitely differences between the beef, but there's still no evidence to show that health-wise it makes a difference. I could be proven wrong in the future if there could be carnivores that eat grain finished and die at 120 years old and then carnivores that eat gra uh, grass finished and live to 140 and maybe I'll be wrong, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> All right. Here's an interesting question. Blood type, because blood type for some people, they're really into the blood types and what they should be eating and so forth and so on. Yes, I know people are very into blood types. I that is not we, is something actually my husband was into for a moment and you know did a bunch of research and then I took a look and I just don't find that and everybody's different. You know, this might not work for everybody. I'm not saying it would. I'm saying it's a really good tool and if you're feeling unwell and nothing else is working, you may want to try this um and see if it works for you. Um but I don't go for the blood type i just have never really found that to be important for me i came across 
I was doing some research on, well, other types of diet. And one of the comments from this researcher, and this is many, many years ago, was he thought the blood type was useful for allergens Hmm. more so than than macro uh, nutrients, uh, which I thought was interesting. And I didn't really take it that far. I haven't really followed, you know, I've, we all read the book at some point and, um, I'm a negative, so I'm supposed to be a vegetarian. I'm definitely not and will never be. Uh, so that's just the way it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's interesting. Someone is to this stuff. That, so we've got, we've got the genetics and we have the epigenetics, right? It's like, and it, there is an adaptation phase. My, my favorite way of explaining the adaptation is being up here in the cold. So when we get our first cold day here in – well, usually it's in uh, September up here. <laughs> so summer ends at the at the end of July up here. So you know, end of August, beginning of September, we get our first crisp day, and it's and you know, in the morning it's probably in the 30s, and with the sun, if we get sun, you know, into the 40s, and everybody's freezing, freezing. Now we get that same 40 degree day in February, and we're all we're all going naked in the streets. It's like. But that's because right. our bodies have adapted. The heat generating brown fat is upregulated and our bodies are making much more heat and we've adapted to it. It's an epigenetic change. So, you know, there's our bodies can adapt to things. And you said there, you know, there's that transition. So going cold turkey and actually going cold turkey off a of ketogenic is dangerous for your kidneys. It's not necessarily a good thing. So you, you really, this idea of having cheat days, even though I brought it up, is probably not a good thing to have binge days. It's probably, right. you know, better to to stay somewhat somewhat healthier. Oh, that brings up the one question. Let me actually, let me read here. There, da, 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 da. So one of the questions from Julie is, you know, have you come across somebody who just couldn't tolerate a carnivore diet? I your, have not. Uh, I have had a couple clients who were so gung-ho that they went, too fast and Mm -hmm. then had a problem. Although one of them said to me, she did the full carnivore for two weeks, all of her pain resolved in those two weeks. So she knew it was good for her, but she was having a lot of trouble just staying on it. So she backed off and went back to keto and plans to do it again. Um, But yeah, so I've had those, that trouble where, or, you know, they weren't getting enough fat. So they weren't, you know, it just wasn't working out, but you know, once you make some adjustments, then I have not had anybody who hasn't uh, done well on it. Snacking. Okay. So (laughs) talking, let's get down to brass tacks here. (laughs) (laughs) The important stuff. Yes. Um, So when we first started carnivore, we did snack at, you know, and we did like pork rinds and some cheese and salami. There is that period where you're kind of adjusting. Um, But now we both tend to eat one or two meals a day. So it changes everything. And you really don't snack in between. Um, And we just eat until we're hungry. And then so so it's like not breakfast, lunch and dinner anymore. It's kind of like First meal around 10 and then another meal again, you know, early evening, late afternoon. And that's pretty much it. And did that happen organically, forgive the pun, or did it something you planned out? No, it happened organically. In the beginning, depending on everybody, again, everybody's different. I've seen vegans come to carnivore diet who are coming in, you know, undernourished, maybe underweight. They eat a ton. 
and gain yeah. gain some weight and then um almost to the point where they're like oh i'm gaining too much weight and then magically their body just seems to go back you know their hunger adjusts they've gotten their nutrients their body is like nice and healthy again and then they lose some of that weight uh, and then other people who come in, most people have some weight to lose, uh, will come in. And um, I find most people may, mm, I don't want to say that everybody's different. Some people tend to lose slower on carnivore than they do on keto. But I find people come to carnivore more for health reasons than for wanting to lose weight. That's not really our goal, right? Our goal is to get healthy. So um uh, yeah. So your hunger adjusts in the beginning, you may find, oh my God, I'm eating so much. And, um, but then your hunger adjusts and that's what happened with us. So I tend to eat twice a day. And this will, this is my last question for you because it, it eating that much protein. So protein triggers mTOR, right? Yes. And so we, our body does need to flow in and out of the mTOR side of thing versus the autophagy side of things. And if we're constant, I, I worry about this with, it doesn't matter what you're eating. The people are eating protein shakes every day. I have, it's like, well, take at least a couple of days off. Don't just shove that protein down all the time. But if you're on a carnivore diet, you're getting protein every day and a fair amount of it. So my, my question would be, so I get it from the autoimmune side of things. But then in terms of the, and it is still the immune system, but on, you know, the, the cleanup versus the rebuilding stage, I think, because the other thing that pushes mTOR is, is sugar, right? And insulin. So that also pushes kind of the building. So mTOR, for those you don't know, is mammalian target of rapamycin. So what happens is they were doing cancer research and they found this herb rapamycin was helping people with cancer. And they're like, wow, that's cool. How does that work? So they found the target of this herb and that's what mTOR is. And basically mTOR is a signal to the body to build tissue. And when the body builds tissue, it does a good job of that, but it's a little bit like, you know, a, a construction crew. They leave a mess that needs to be cleaned up. And that cleanup phase of thing is autophagy. And that's why you'll hear so much about fasting because fasting does the opposite of eating. It pushes the autophagy and basically shuts down the mTOR. So there's these, you know, there's these, the thought that we used to fast fairly regularly, either for religious reasons or just because of availability of food, or people are talking about a little bit like you are eating one meal a day and doing, I don't want to call it intermittent fasting, but like controlled window of eating. So the balance of mTOR during the day is, is more balanced. So is that something you can comment on or have I just gone off the deep end? Uh, it's a little more technical than where I am, but yes, I've read about it. And um, I, I think that our shorter window of eating is helpful for that. Uh, there are, you know, within the carnivore community, there's all different types of carnivores and strict keto carnivore, whatever, uh, nose to tail. Uh, and there are a lot of different opinions. And I think mTOR can be a part of that conversation. Some people think fasting is important and find it as a really useful tool. Uh, a lot of the long-term carnivores just say, eat when you're hungry, your body knows what it needs um, as long as you're eating carnivore. <laughs> so um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I can say about mTOR, but um, I don't find it a problem. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, it would. Well, anyway, it's it's a theoretical problem. I don't know if it. I just don't know. I thought I yeah. hoping, maybe you could shed some light. So that's one of the curiosities <laughs> of mine. Now, the last thing I'll leave you with something. I'll give you something to think about in terms of on your side of things is uh, the main transporter of vitamin C in the cells is actually a carbohydrate transporter. And so it competes, the carbohydrates compete with the vitamin C to get into the cells. And the C, I'm people are gonna start calling me Linus Pauling Jr. because I'm I'm right now I'm this on this massive C kick. It was probably started by the COVID thing, but I'm just on a massive C kick right now. And I think I have a suspicion that that's one reason why people do so well with these massive IVCs when they're so sick with COVID is they're actually super depleted. And one mm-hmm. of the things to see to do is uh, repleting their, their cells. So if you are on a high carbohydrate diet, the C may not be getting into your cell, may not be getting actually into through your intestines, into your bloodstream, A. And then once it's in the bloodstream, if you have perennially high blood sugar because you're insulin resistant, then it's not getting into the cells. So is that why we're seeing, you know, the, that the people with the diabetes, the heart disease, all these very similar uh, disease processes are faring worse with COVID because you need that C in the cells to be able to handle the body's immune response. And what they're saying is the this virus isn't killing people, it's their immune response. So literally they're these people, you know, again, theoretically, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a researcher, just a curious guy, um, is is that there's not enough C, there's not enough antioxidant capacity within the cells to withstand the body's own immune response. So the body mm-hmm. gets literally gets too hot. It's like if if you're trying to break a brownie and your oven can't handle getting up to 350 degrees, the oven itself melts down. It's like you would just, it would be very sad to see all those meat brownies, carnival brownies, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> Ro- roasting, a, making a burger. If you had a pan made out of wax and you're trying to cook a burger on it and every time the thing just melted. it just So that's, in my mind, it's a very simple analogy, but that's a little bit what's what's happening here. So, and one of the fundamental issues there is the main transporter of uh, oxidized ascorbate, mm-hmm. this, this ascorbate radical that needs that's that's what gets transported into the cell. And then once inside the cell, it needs glutathione to turn back into ascorbate, which then the body can use. But if it it can't get transported in, there's another transporter. There's a sodium dependent transporter as well, but it's just not as active. It just doesn't do as nearly a job. So being carnivore would take that problem almost completely off the table because there are some carbohydrates in meat, but boy, just so little. So your body yeah. would just be able to suck in all the vitamin C and probably some other nutrients, I would think, as well, into yeah. the cells. So you just might be super more efficient at absorbing what's there. And like you said, it's an elimination diet. Yeah. So all the inflammatory triggers have just been removed, you know, except except if you we just interviewed a woman about a month ago who's got the 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 virus that triggered the alpha gal, the meat allergy uh, yes, thing. Yes. You know, and that's just like uh, just just such I a know. sad state of affairs. And it's it's crazy how, you know, it's like peanut dust, right? It's like, you know, any little bit of collagen or anything in a product, in a soap or anything just sets her off. And that's, I know. You know, but that's, that's, you know, that's an outlier. That's such a strange event, right? It, it doesn't negate anything we've said. It's just one of those weird things. That's like, wow. I thought my yeah. life was bad. I know. <laughs> Imagine I know. having Lyme and alpha gal. Like, yeah. Alpha gal. Yeah. All right. 
Do you have anything else you'd like to add to this? Let's bring up your website again. Lime dot. No, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. If anybody wants to email me directly, you know, you can go to my website and find my email address. Um, uh, we also have a Facebook page for carnivore. It's called the carnivore diet for Lyme disease. If you want to join in there, there's a great group. It's really supportive. If you have any questions and you want to hear it from somebody other than me, come join the group. And uh, there's been, I've been highlighting, you know, success stories in there that are pretty amazing. So it could be a good resource too. <laughs> That's awesome. The other thing I want to acknowledge is that I totally lied to you. I said we'd be done in about half an hour, and it's been <laughs> a lot longer than that. But this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed myself. And, well, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Take care. Aurora. Hi. That was awesome. <laughs> that was really great. I there's one thing that I'm gonna that I'm gonna come back to. This great phrase that she said is that the carnivore diet seems almost too simple to work. And I love that idea that nutrition is kind of the the ultimate horse in the hospital. You know, the the doctor's oh, phrase is look for Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, if you hear hooves clopping, look for a horse, not a zebra. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but how did you get this, the really horses are in the hospital <laughs> exactly the horse is the ultimate the nutrition is the ultimate horse that's yes. what all i'm saying it's and right. to be able to focus on that and then to focus exclusively on that that great elimination diet that the that the carnivore diet is and and to be able to really just calm down all of these this inflammatory process because you know digestion is ultimately an inflammatory process to to be able to to reduce the inflammation that the body undergoes and the stress undergoes when digestion occurs is it's it's really great really helpful yeah i i agree all right that's awesome so let's just wrap it up there and as you long time lime ninjas know this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know trains stop at Ninja Crossings? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.